Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 791. Said our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ethan Bowers. Hey, Ethan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Buckled up, hoping it's fun and smooth at the same time. (laughs) I'll do my best to keep the car on the road. Ethan Bowers is the archives manager at the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Automobile Museum in Auburn, Indiana. While obtaining his MA in history, he was hired as an intern at the museum, where he discovered the whole new side of cars and their influence on American culture. In 2015, Ethan was hired to head the museum's new digitization project, and since then he's been immersed in the world of automobiles. And he currently manages the museum's digitization, if I could say that word, I would say it really well, digitization (laughs) project, and cares for its archival collections. Ethan also helped design and install exhibits, He contributes to publications, presents at speaking engagements, and assists museum patrons in utilizing the museum's collection for research. So, Ethan, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about what you do there at the museum and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, like you said, Mark, I'm fairly new to the world of cars. When I grew up, I was around cars. My dad's a car guy, and a lot of the other people in my family are. But it wasn't always my primary interest. And I kind of tell people that I'm a late bloomer when it comes to being a car guy. (laughs) Well, welcome to the club. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. I've kind of backed my way into this initially as a historian and with an interest in history primarily. And I remember the first day at the museum, walking into our grand showroom and seeing all of the beautiful cars and just thinking, wow, I didn't know that these existed. I didn't know that that cars could be like rolling sculptures, as Gordon Burek and many others have put it. So that's kind of where I came from. I, I'm a historian at heart, and I always have been, and now I consider myself a car guy as well. Well, like I said, welcome to the club. We are very happy to have you. And boy, you're in the uh, wonderful place to learn about cars and history combined, because that museum is absolutely spectacular. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ethan, hop up into that Duesenberg and take the wheel. Well, Mark, I actually have two quotes, if that's all right with you. Yes, absolutely. One of them is personal to me. It's from my father, who has, both of my parents have been great inspirations and great role models throughout my life. But I remember sitting in the garage with my dad when I was a kid, maybe 12, 13 years old, and he said something to this effect to me. There are many obligations you'll fulfill for the good of others, but it's your obligation to recognize the one that you must fulfill for yourself. Mm. And I remember in relation to what that was, I was talking about something that I didn't want to do or I wasn't particularly fond of doing. And and basically, in in many different ways, my dad said, there are a lot of things that you aren't going to want to do that you have to do in life, but it's basically your job. Find out what are the things that you're passionate about, what are the things that you want to do that you feel you're obligated to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, that was a very wise man your father was. And so many people go through life, they get careers, jobs, but they're not passionate about it. It's just a place to go, earn some money and come home. And those of us who figured out how to wrap that passion into our careers, like you and I have, really have discovered the secret sauce to life. So now you know how wise of a man your father was. And you said there was a second one. Yes. So the second one I think really applies to my life and my career and things at the museum. And this is actually from Thomas Edison. It said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Yes, absolutely. Well, how have you incorporated both of these great success quotes into what you do there at the museum? I think the first one, definitely, the fact that I work at a museum, I, I can't tell you how many, especially a car museum, how many people come up to me and say, boy, what a job you have, or they initially think I'm actually a volunteer at the museum, and they don't believe that someone could get paid to do something as cool as I get paid to do <laughs> yeah. on, a, on a daily basis. Yeah. And I think it it really goes all the way back to when, when I was studying to become, you know, a museum professional. And I can't tell you how many people said to me, well, what are you doing? You're going to, you're getting a degree in underwater basket weaving, you know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, no, I'm doing something that I, that I love to do yeah. and that I'm interested in. And then I find this place, which is, I mean, just a pristine, excellent institution, both in the automobile world and in the museum world. And I was just very excited to, I'm and still excited to be here. Uh, in, in regards to the Edison quote, there's been many times here and in my life where if I would have just given up and not waited for something to happen, I would never have gotten to the point where I am today. And I think it's very important for people to realize that failure is a very important part of success. Absolutely. Teaches us all sorts of spectacular things, not only things we shouldn't do again, but sets us on the right course every time. And I always say, when you, if you're going to fail, which we all do, fail forward. At least you fall forward, you get a little closer to where you want to be. So most definitely. Yep. Well, let's go back in time. You talked about being a late bloomer with cars. So I would love for you to share a story that instigated that passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment as you remember it when you went, you know what, maybe I am a car guy after all? Well, I think back to when I was a kid, we lived in a town called Lima, Ohio, and there's a small sprint car track there called Lima Land. And we did that a lot when we were kids, and, and we collected NASCAR memorabilia. Me and my brother had this huge case full of Jeff Gordon memorabilia, and we actually still fight over who owns it to, <laughs> to this day. Um, and I, I remember at a very young age being interested in cars, and as I got it a little older, I got interested in music and history and other things, and and it really didn't come back to it until I ended up at the museum. But I'd say that the thing that instigated beyond just being an employee here was the first time I rode in the cars and the first time I heard the cars run. Mm -hmm. Because in our educational programming, we, we try to incorporate that into what we're doing here because... I think there's nothing like the smell and the sound of the cars mm. in relation to, I mean, you can look at as many photos as, and read as many books and accounts as you want, but until you hear and smell a Duesenberg running, you have no idea what it's like. Right. So I think that really was a very pivotal moment for me. Oh, absolutely. And if you can even hear the Duesenberg, those things are so quiet. Uh, they're like yes. like a Rolls Royce, you know, when they're running. I've seen them roll onto a Concorde field. You almost have to go... Is that electric or something? I can't even hear the motor. It's just so peaceful. Of course, until you stand on it, then they make a magnificent sound. Awesome. Well, Ethan, what I want to do now is take a look at the many roads you've driven down. You're still kind of a young guy, but I'm sure you face some big challenges, maybe even a few failures in your life. So take us to one of those moments, walk us through, and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your business, your life, your career. 
Yeah, so when I was in graduate school, I, I started graduate school at Bowling Green State University right out of undergrad, and I jumped in, and I, I didn't I actually wanted to be a professor in history when I started, and I really didn't know what to expect. And the first few months were pretty awful. I felt intimidated. I felt I was outclassed academically, and I just a lot of people made me feel like I, I didn't belong. And in particular, the very first paper I turned in, a, a professor on the back of every single page hand wrote single space negative comments Ooh, on ouch. the entire paper. Yeah, yeah, and and told me at the end of it, that I didn't belong there. Oh, ouch. Yeah. And so that really that really struck a chord. And I remember calling my fiance at the time, but my wife, I, I called her and I said, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know that I have what it takes. And she kind of talked to me. I, I was basically ready to quit. I had, I had been driving um, 90 miles both ways basically every day from where I lived. Wow. I was sleeping certain nights on my friend's couch mm -hmm. in a dorm room with a lot of people that were... <laughs> 18 and 19 with uh, partying I mean, yeah. at the time. I, <laughs> yeah. At the time I was only, you know, 24, but I, I was trying to be, you know, a serious professional right? Um, and, yeah. and trying to make something of myself. And it just, it didn't feel great, but my wife really made me stuck it out. And I think that's why that quote I brought up earlier really matters because I could have easily let myself fail yeah. and I could have walked away, but I didn't. And two years later, in, in fact, actually, three years later, I, I was an employee at the museum for about a year. I received a letter from Bowling Green that said I had won the best master's thesis award, and I, oh I finished my, my degree. Congratulations! <laughs> and, and I thought, yeah, and I thought, thank goodness I I didn't quit back then. And, and I think about it all the time when I'm here at work, and now that I'm involved in the automobile community, even even when I was, I mean, I I get to travel all the time for my job. It's really great, and I, I think. What if I had given up at that moment? Right. You know, what yeah. would have happened? Yeah. And I'm, I'm very glad that I allowed those failures because it, I continued to fail until I started changing things and working working a lot harder, and, and it ended up working out. Wow. Well, poo on that professor for not uh... – <laughs> You know, it's one thing to be honest with a student and say, you know, this work is subpar. It needs some help. Let me find a way to help you or let me push you in the right direction. But to tell you you don't belong there, yeah. that's absolutely horrible. Oh, my gosh. I, yeah. I hope you sent him a copy of your award and said, here you go. I mean, not to, not I, to I, be boisterous, <laughs> but oh, my gosh. I, I just Professors and teachers that do things like that, is, it's beyond me. I don't understand. Yeah, I took the high road. I, I didn't. I, I did. I really wanted to, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did not. I've been very fortunate to, and this is true of graduate school and throughout my entire life. I've been very fortunate to have people pick me up at the right times and believe yeah. in my ability. And I think that's a big key to anybody's success is finding people that truly believe in that you can execute and that you can get things done. So. Well, it's a big key to what mom always taught me. Surround yourself with the best people you can and surround yourself with people that you look up to and people that are smarter than you so you can aim higher. So uh, so glad you stuck with it. And obviously you married the right gal. So <laughs> kudos to you. <laughs> Let's shift yep. gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share is what I call a kind of a career aha moment. It's a time when you realize this is where I need to go. So what was your aha moment? 
very, very similar to the last story. I've, I've had lots of points in my life where I've, I've had aha moments. I actually started, when I left home, I wanted to be a recording studio engineer, and I was a musician for a little while. Did a few other things. I was a bicycle mechanic. I changed my major three or four times in undergrad. I just didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I finally ended up as a history major. And I was really, really good at the research and, and found something that I not only liked, but was good at. And that's kind of was an aha moment for me. Second aha moment came when one of my professors suggested going to graduate school for history, which I had never thought of. Mm-hmm. I had never thought that I could make a career out of something like that. And that was a big, big moment. And the third aha moment was the internship at this particular museum. When I remember when I started here, I said, I want to work here. And I could remember when I was finishing up graduate school, I basically every day was inserting into conversations. Hey, do you need to hire somebody? Hey, do you need need somebody for this? Hey, do you need somebody right. for that? Right. With almost everyone that works at the museum, and I even interviewed uh, one of my colleagues, Sam, who's our collections manager. We actually interviewed for the same job when I was in graduate school, and he actually got the job over me <laughs> oh, <Sam. laughs> the first time. <laughs> and and then um, and then I was hired into a different position, and I'm really glad it ended up that way. I think it, it was the right decision yeah. for the museum, but. That was another aha moment when I was just, I came here and saw how great it was and saw that I could incorporate all sorts of different interests that I had in this place. And that was definitely an aha moment. Ah, spectacular. Three aha moments, three great aha moments. How about a proudest career or business moment? I would assume you've had a few, but is there one that really stands out for you? Yeah, I would say that we just finished our two-year digitization plan, our initial two years, on what we thought would be a 10-year project. And we have honestly been totally smashing it out of the park since we started. We we finished our two-year plan in a year and a half, and we're on track to finish that 10-year plan in less than six years now. And it wow. confirmed to me that what I was doing was the right thing and that we're doing things the right way. Um, and we've had countless other museums and libraries come to us and ask us for advice now Mm -hmm. on the way we're doing things, which is really great. And the other thing, this is always a great proud moment is when we open a gallery or an exhibit, any the one that we have over the last few years. Um, those That's always a really satisfying moment. Oh, of course, when those huge projects are all completed. So well, kudos to you and your team for doing such a spectacular job and doing it ahead of time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. I'd love for you to talk about your first really special car and maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. Yeah, um, I actually am driving that car right now. Oh, cool. I, I'm driving what was my grandfather's 1994 Ford Ranger. Okay, cool. Um, it's an all original. It's a really neat 1990s teal with a purple and pink pinstripe on it. <laughs> and it's really nostalgic for me because I can remember being small enough to fit in the middle seat of this uh, truck okay. and riding in this truck when I was a kid. Um, and I remember when I bought it from him, he told me, now, just so you know, I've only taken this never taken it over 55 miles per hour and only taken it 100 miles or less from oh where gosh. I bought it. Wow. And the next week I drove it to Green Bay, Wisconsin through Chicago to do my master's thesis research. So that ended real quick <laughs> after I <laughs> bought it. But it is very special to me. It's still, he took such great care of it. And I know for a lot of people, special cars are classic cars. But to me, being a child of the 90s and being a younger guy, it's just the color... And the way it is, the cassette tape 
player and just all the memories I have in that truck. It's just very special to me. You know, most cars, that's the key with them is the memories that we uh, shared with family members, parents or grandparents or brothers or uncles, things like that. Wow. Well, actually, I have a Ford Ranger for sale right now. It's my father's, and uh, <laughs> but you've already got one, so I'll have to find another buyer. But uh, same year and everything that you've got. So very, very cool. How about a car that you've let go that you wish you had back in your garage? Is there one of those? Well, I'm young enough to not have let go of many cars and not haven't had enough money to buy or let go of many cars. Uh-huh. But I, I do have a family vehicle that I, that I have remorse that it, that it didn't stay around longer. My father had a 1990 Chevy Silverado pickup truck mm-hmm. and he had a, he was driving it at 380,000 miles. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, and he was T-boned at an intersection, but thankfully he was okay, but the car was totaled. We were all very, very upset because we swore that car was going to make it to 500,000. Oh, man. I mean, we we just couldn't believe, you know, I tell people this story all the time, but 380,000 miles, and it really speaks to how good of a mechanic my father is. Well, yeah. um, And keeping something running, so. Wow, that's a lot of miles in a pickup truck. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm glad he's okay, most definitely. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Automobile Museum. What kinds of things would our listeners expect to see when they come and visit this museum? What are some of the things that have you very excited and fired up right now about what's going on there? Right now, we've got big upcoming things and one ongoing project. The the first would be uh, we have a virtual exhibit coming out, and this is part of our digitization project where we take a collection we've digitized and we showcase it online for the public to be able to look through. Um, we add a little bit of interpretation. And the next one of those comes out on July 1st. And it's on one of the kind of detailed designers for Auburn Automobile Company, Paul Reuter Lorenz. And it's all of the hubcap renderings and dash plate renderings and all sorts of different other little details that he designed. And there's just hundreds of drawings for people to look through. So that's one thing. Yeah, really just great artist. The second thing we have uh, an exhibit that's going to be debuting kind of soon here, but it's going to be really be showcased over the ACD Festival, which is obviously our busiest time of the year. And it's called Beatty's Bunch uh, the, from the private collection of Guy E. Beatty. And it's from this, this gentleman with him and his wife, who are great philanthropists, donated 10 great cars to us over the course of the last year or two. 1933 Chrysler Imperial, uh, two Duesenbergs, a Cord. An Auburn Speedster, every single one of them would be the crown jewel wow. of anybody's collection, yeah, you wow. know, and we're going to showcase those. It's kind of a an interesting debate around here because usually we only put ACD cars in our showroom um, because of its historic nature, but we're putting some cars that, that are classic era, but not ACD makes. So we'll see how that goes, but I'm very interested have something new in our showroom that we haven't had in there before. Oh, yeah. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. And then the third thing, we've got an exhibit on boat tail speedsters that will be coming out in November. And that we're featuring just from our collection and, and a few from private collections. But we're going to be doing a really interesting display where instead of when you walk into the exhibit, you see the front of the cars, we're displaying them butt end first. Oh, of course. So yeah. the boat tail <laughs> is going to be facing in kind of a fan configuration. And that was our curator, John Bill's idea to do that. And I think it is an excellent idea. It's going to have great aesthetic appeal. And I think it's going to be really striking for a lot of people to come upon and, and look at. Absolutely. And um, then, of course, our digitization project that we're working on. That's still ongoing. That's something that 
will be available to the public within the next couple of years. People will be able to access our archival collection, which will be great for researchers. Fantastic. And obviously, the place to go would be your website to uh, learn more about the museum and also about the digitization project? Yes. Our website's automobilemuseum.org. All right, great. I'll make sure that's listed on Ethan's show notes page here at the Cars Yeah website. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Ethan. If you were a car, what kind of car would Ethan be and why? I thought a lot about this, and I, I actually talked to my wife and my, my dad a lot about this, and, and I said, oh, I'm not, I'm not a truck. I don't even think I'm really a car. <laughs> um, I, I, I came up with a 1964 Corvair Greenbrier Sport Wagon. Oh, wow. Well, this is a unique one. Yeah, so um, essentially it's a camper van. Obviously, it's got like an inline-six engine. Um, for a van, it's got 110 horsepower, which is interesting. But it, I think it embodies everything that I try to be. I like functional automobiles even. I mean, you put really, really nice, fancy convertible or speedster next to me versus a, a, like a limousine. I would take the limousine. <laughs> okay, okay. There's something that I like about those kind of vehicles and just the the camping accessories, the the innovation, the kind of imperfect nature of that vehicle in itself. I think it speaks to the uh, the imperfect nature of myself and kind of, you know, the 64, when they came out with the sport wagon, they had fixed some of the, the known issues, I'll just put it that way, that we all know about with the Corvair, mm-hmm. you know, the suspension and all that. They had fixed some of those issues, but it, it still wasn't completely perfect. But I think it's just a really a neat vehicle that has a lot of utility but it also has a lot of nostalgia and uh, imperfectness that I really, I think, embodies me. Well, I appreciate you giving some great thought to that. Excellent answer. Well, Ethan, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. 
Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, FINRA SIPC. Okay, Ethan, we are back, and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, functionality over style. Will you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Um, I always ask for constructive criticism from others. Mm, yes, absolutely. It goes back to uh, your original talk about your quotes. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? The National Association of Automobile Museums. I think it's a great resource um, that a lot of people haven't checked out. And a lot of young automobile museums that are just getting started um, would really benefit from kind of getting involved with that. Yeah, NAAM, NAM. In fact, that's how Ethan and I met. I was uh, invited to be a speaker at a NAM event, which I was uh, very, very excited to be a part of that at the LeMay Family Museum. And uh, yeah, great organization. I met, gosh, over 100 fantastic people that evening. So definitely we'll put a link to that site on your show notes page. Now, if you had a resource to share with our listeners, what would that be? Frequently referenced, and I'll, uh, this is for ACB uh, enthusiasts, Cord Complete um, and Duesenberg Buyer's Guide, which are both by Josh Malks, who was a great ACB enthusiast and club member and left behind a lot of knowledge. Um, we actually have Josh's Cord, which is nicknamed Moonshadow in the museum, but Josh's books are always indispensable when it comes to looking for accurate and most importantly accurate and, and informative facts. Now, if you got to have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Um, I'm going to go with an Auburn automobile company designer by the name of Alan Leamy, who does not get a lot of uh, as much credit as some other guys, but he was a very interesting gentleman. He Not only was he uh, an automobile designer, but he also designed things like bullets and guns. He's always someone that I'd like to ask more about because we just don't have a lot of information on him and his life. Yeah, absolutely. First time that name has come up here. I'll have to do a little research about Alan and learn a little bit more about him. Now, you mentioned a couple of books earlier, but is there another book that you'd like the uh, listeners to crack open and read? People always standard catalogs. Any any year when you're looking up a automobile, that's what we use for a lot of our spec sheets on cars when we put them out at the museum. Mm -hmm. That has been just getting a baseline of information and wanting to look for more. That has always been something that as a new enthusiast and for other new enthusiasts, I think that's a great starting point when you're researching a car that you don't know a lot about to jump off from and look for other literature that might be helpful. Fantastic. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources on Ethan's show notes page at carsyad.com slash Ethan Bowers. All right, Ethan, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I love saying that to you. <laughs> If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you anything you'd like today, but you got to drive it, you got to enjoy it. No garage queens here at Cars, yeah. What would that car be and why? A 1933 Auburn 1265 Salon Phaeton sedan. I know that's a mouthful, but I'm very specific about what I want. So what is it about that car that you like so much? Uh, we we actually um, have one on loan here Uh I believe it is leaving soon or it has left. Um, the 33, uh, the salon part of it is a special trim package, lots of chrome, cool things like um, a lit da backlit dashboard, 
I like the 31 to 33 Auburn line, the styling in particular, the very long front end. Um, it's a 12 cylinder. It's a very powerful car. The Phaeton sedan body style is very interesting because even though it says Phaeton in the name, it actually has roll up and roll down windows. So very, very interesting. It set speed record. And I believe Eddie Miller was the one who set its speed record um, with the, a car of the same engine. Uh, it's just a very uh, historically interesting car, um, as well as, I think, functionality over style. It's got style, but this car also has a great functionality. The Phaeton sedan would be a four-door, um, and it has roll-up and roll-down windows, and it actually has a, a pull-down top as well. My goodness, you've picked a spectacular automobile. No doubt a car that's going to be a little bit difficult for me to find, but I'll see what I can do for <laughs> you. What color would you like that one to be? Oh, my gosh. There is a 12... 12- cylinder auburn speedster that is black and yellow that i am very very fond of that i would probably do something very similar to that okay all right i'll get to work for you wow that's the first time a car like that has been suggested by a guest here on cars i'm glad you picked something very unique and different of course it had to be an auburn or a duesenberg or a cord so i'm not surprised there fantastic automobile that's great well ethan you have taken us on an awesome ride today i knew you would and i've really enjoyed Learning more about you in the Auburn Cord Duesenberg Automobile Museum, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 33 Auburn 12165 Salon Phaeton Sedan? Whew, that's a mouthful. Yeah, don't let logistics or an inability to um, find the right logistics to be a roadblock to your success. It's something we deal with a lot in the museum world where we have a great idea or we have something we want to execute, but we're just not sure how to get from point A to point B with a limited budget and limited time. And I think when you have a great idea and it's worth executing, you'll find a way, even if at first you're not sure what way to take. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the Auburn Core Duesenberg Automobile Museum and hopefully go visit you guys? We are open daily, 9 to 5, and uh, automobilemuseum.org is our website. We also are very active on Facebook as well with a lot of our events. People feel free to give me a call or an email. My email is ethanb at automobilemuseum.org, and we answer all sorts of public research questions related to Auburn Court and Duesenberg. Fantastic. Well, again, you can find links to everything Ethan has shared here at the Cars yeah! website at carsyeah.com slash Ethan Bowers. Just type Ethan into the search bar. That page will pop up with links. I would encourage you to utilize this fantastic resource, uh, something that uh, all of us in the United States should be very proud of, this museum and the heritage that is preserved there. Absolutely spectacular. Ethan, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for having me, Mark. I really appreciate the time. Pleasure's been all mine. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, You'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. 
Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!